We're going to resume. Philippines are so beautifully illustrated for us. Thank you, Pippa. I don't know if Pippa's still in here. She's not, is she? And then thank you for Catherine and Greg. Wow, that's just brought the whole thing to life. And I think for me, it, just, it was just like, yeah, I can. It was something like that. It really was. And, and so thank you for bringing to life this, this reality that, that Paul was in a dungeon. <laughs> Probably wasn't quite nice as this dungeon. But Paul was in a dungeon in some, well, some form of uh, imprisonment. Uh, some of his imprisonments were less severe than others. You know, he was uh, allowed uh, in some circumstances, certainly when he's in house arrest, to have visitors. Uh, and, and, and at times he used uh, scribes to, to take down what he wanted to communicate. It was a common way of writing letters sometimes. And then sometimes in one of Paul's letters you see where he interrupts, he takes over the scribe. And, and, and he's almost as though he says, hey, now let me do this bit. And then he, he, he adds a bit in his own writing. He sometimes auth authenticated the letter. And, and in bold letters as is to raise his voice or show emotion. And so I think what we saw there today, it just, gives, it just brings down a reality that we're dealing with real things here. Remember that. This is real, it happened in real life. And we tell our kids sometimes about the possibility of visiting Israel sometime. You know, we'd love to go there. And, and Tiffany's reaction, and this shows, you know, goes, oh, you mean it's, it's real or worse than effect? You mean Jesus was, was there? And so can you see, sometimes we can be hearing all these stories and we're so used to hearing about faraway truths that we, we don't realize how true they are. And then that just brought it home to her. And I think, I hope this morning just brought it home to us that, as Peter says in 1 Peter, these are things that we've handled, things that we've touched, things that we've seen. This really happened. Paul really wrote that letter from prison to a church. Okay? And those words have been ricocheting to us today. So that's where we're going. And that's what we're handling and look, we, we kind of started chapter 1 last time. We had this heading, God sees through to completion the work that he has initiated. That, that's, that's where we're heading. God sees through to completion the work that he's initiated. You know, we all start things and don't finish them. God never leaves a project unfinished. And we got as far as just in, in, introducing the fact that Living Word Bible Church is a business. And look, if you don't like that, it's true. This is an enterprise. We are, we are birthed with a deliberate intent and purpose. And we said last week, it's what, is, what is the business that God has established in this church? It's the business of... Pardon? Yes, making disciples. That's what we're about. This isn't a club. It's not a soup kitchen. It may look like that today, okay? It's not where I go out to hang out and sing a few songs, or we may do that. It's not even going to listen to some guy with a weird accent. You may do that. Not here. We don't have any weird people with weird accents, except all the ones I'm looking at. Boy, they're just weird all over. Uh, apart from a lady I met today who actually spoke my language, or sort of, Cardiff. You know, uh, that's not too far from where we lived. You know, it's like, wow. There are real people still in this world. No, you know, no, it, it, the, the accent here is not so bad as 
New South Wales. But uh, what I meant by that is, hey, if you're from New South Wales, don't get upset with me. I mean, it's, 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 it's different, it's true. I'm digging a hole here. It's different. So Paul talks about a partnership. This church is a business interest. It is that. It's got a definite objective. We're not just kind of hanging out week by week. There's intent, there's purpose, there's direction. We're not just floating. Okay? Everything has a purpose. And that's what Paul's getting at. And verse 6, this is where we're going today. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm going to get two headings from this. A main heading and, and a subheading. So here's the main heading. God will personally ensure that a genuine Christian comes through life and into eternity in faith. That's what verse 6 is about. In fact, that runs through the letter. That God will personally ensure that a genuine Christian comes through life and into faith. Okay, does the journey, gets to heaven. Okay, God ensures it'll happen. That's what, that's what God wants you to know. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. And here's the derivative of it. It's, it's linked to it. And it's in there. God will personally ensure that the gospel partnership genuine Christians are engaged in will continue and prosper into eternity. So two things have been said here. The main point is that, that God ensures we get to heaven. And we're going we're gonna to develop that shortly. But a derivative point is that God ensures that the business that is living with church will succeed as a business. Really, it's what he's saying. God is saying that Living Word Bible Church, the business organization of making disciples, will succeed in its purpose. And that's what we're going to look at together. We'll look at the, at the lesser point. By lesser, I just mean it's a shadow. The main point is the first one. So the lesser. It is, it is, here's how we look. So I'm going to bring in a couple of verses from Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And would you just read those words with me? It just helps us. To do good works. It's what? Let me ask you, and we can answer this together. What is at the heart, at the conception level, of our salvation? Pardon? Faith and study. And just according to that verse... What is at the center, at the, at the inception level of our creation into salvation? It works. Really, we can't get away from that. God created us for, to do stuff. Let me ask you, he made Adam. What was Adam's role? He wasn't to put his feet up and watch uh, what channel do we watch? You know, I don't watch a lot of TV. You know, what channels do we watch? Uh, what are the channels here? I've been here three years. I don't know what channels there are. Netflix, ABC TV. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I do know these things. When you stand up here, you have these blank moments. Yeah, yeah, Foxtel, thank you. Okay, well, what was Adam for? What did God make Adam to do? Yeah, he was. And we've got to understand that. He was made, and what was his task? He was. Yes, to subdue the earth, to populate the earth with other image bearers. Okay, so us, God has created us 
Okay, and Paul is telling us, and he's created us to do works, and Paul is telling us that when we come into salvation, that God is calling us to our true vocation. Ephesians 4. So, so the role, the reason God has saved us is to call us into works. So look, if we're work shy, and look, there's nobody here that works shy, but if we work shy, Christianity is going to be a struggle for us. You know, one of the things about being in a portable location like this, it means that every member of a church, I mean, look at Jerry. I mean, Jerry, I don't want to embarrass you, but Jerry, on a Saturday night, in, in, in another scenario, would probably have his feet up and be on his computer or reading a book or cooking dinner or washing up. He's good. He does all those things now, you see. <laughs> okay? But instead, what, what was Jerry doing yesterday? Have a guess. He was. This guy was hug, hugging huge, but, you know, stacks of chair, putting them around, moving stuff. You should see the guy work. I was sitting there just watching him for half an hour, thinking, this is... This is. <laughs> yeah, not that he noticed. Okay? So, so doing what we call... The thing about being in a portable location like this, it means that we all have to get involved. And, and, you know, our response to that can be, oh, if we had a church like everybody else, I wouldn't have to do this. That can be a response. Okay? Or what's the alternative response? Yeah. God, I thank you for the opportunity and privilege that this scenario is affording me. Really? Yeah, you know, wow, God... I, there's something I can contribute in ways here that I've never been able to before. So that's the one part that we're called to. The second part is in Ephesians 4, and Paul's going to wrap these up in Philippians. God gives pastors and teachers. Here's a, you answer this. Why does God give churches pastors? Pastors and teachers is, is one office there. It's a pastor who does teaching. Why does God give pastors and teachers to churches? Pardon? Yes, because we need leadership, absolutely. Leadership to do the work. So God saves people to do work, and then He gives pastors to churches to make that work happen. Do you see that? Yeah. And I'm going to make you do it. Do it! Okay? See? That's kind of how it works. Now, so, so that's what's going on. God calls people into salvation to work for him. We have to, that's just a reality. And he gives pastors to a group of people, a church, to ensure that that work happens. There's a mentality, particularly back in the UK, uh, whereby a part, you call a pastor to a church to do what? It's, it's an archaic thinking of what a pastor is for, it may not be archaic, it might be in some of our minds, but it's archaic. The thinking is that you call a pastor and you give him a salary to do all the work of the church. That's a prevailing thought in some British churches. I don't know if that's a prevailing thought here, that you bring a pastor to a church and, and his job is to do the work of the church. It's not how Paul envisages the work of a pastor. You call a pastor to ensure that the church does the work. Do you see that, Sarah? 
effectively within a team. So the four of us do that together. Yes, Sarah. And I think, so that's how, you, that's how the relationship works. Let me just take it back to Philippians. So Paul's point is this, okay? Paul's point is this. He's called us into a gospel partnership, verse 5 and verse 6. Okay, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, Paul is writing to the church here, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So, can you see that the good work that God is doing in the lives of this church is related, is a part of one long sentence here, that, that in partnership in the gospel, okay, that God is doing a good work. The Paul's point is this, that the partnership they and Paul are engaged in is the work that God is doing in them. That God has established the partnership. Here's what the commentator writes. Paul's joyful thanksgiving for their partnership in the gospel is based upon the conviction that this partnership is the good work of God. So here, look, Paul is saying to this church, look, we're in a relationship, we're in a partnership, and that partnership is that we're doing gospel work together. And here's the thing, God has established that partnership. God is working in this business. You know, we're not just doing this by chance, we're doing this together. One of the points we get, out, we get across here, friends, is that you and I are in a partnership. You know, right, you might think, you know, I could have chosen a better partner. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. But, but it's a partnership, okay? And God is involved here. God is involved here. As we said earlier, he calls pastors and teachers to prepare people or to work in this partnership to ensure these things are working together. It's God's doing. And the idea is, the idea here is, is that we're doing this together. I'll give you an illustration. Some of you know I had this crazy ambition when I was a little kid. I watched Top Gun at school. Uh, Top Gun 2 is coming out sometime soon. Uh, I'm waiting for that one. Uh, really? Is that right? Put that on your list, Sid. 18th of November, Top Gun 2. And look, I wanted to fly fighter jets, and it kind of drove me through school. I made sure I worked a bit harder than some of my friends because I wanted to fly jets. Look, it never happened. I became a Christian, and by the grace of God, I thought, well, be, hey, who wants to fly jets when I could be telling people about Jesus? And uh, here I am, uh, all these years later. But the point is, I wanted to fly F-14 Tomcats. They have two people in the cockpit there, a pilot and a navigator. Okay, they're doing the showy stuff, right? What takes, what does it take for that F-14 fighter jet to do its missions? What does it take? Yes, on that aircraft carrier, it takes 6,000 men and women. It takes someone to ensure that the lines are painted on deck. It takes someone to ensure that aircraft are guided in. They can see. It takes somebody to watch radar blips. It takes somebody, this is no joke, in order for those pilots to fly into the mission, it takes somebody peel to peel potatoes. Really? It takes somebody else, expert, advanced medical skills in, in being able to perform procedures on board. It takes somebody else 
It's no joke to wash laundry. The guy who's washing laundry on that carrier is supporting the mission of that jet. They're partners. Partners. Can you see the point here? Look, I may preach sermons, okay? Okay? But it's Lorraine who faithfully gives to this church that facilitates that. That there's a partnership there. It's the fact that Jerry was hog hogging around chairs yesterday. Is he sure that could happen? It, it, it's the fact that, that Emma you know, was part of a music team that's ensuring that we can put on a service so that I can preach. Because here's the reality, if it was just me preaching Emma, they wouldn't come. They only come to sing with you. And it's, you know, in some situations, this is, this, it's, it's a fact that people are just going to church because they love the singing. It, you rarely hear they're going because they love the preacher. <laughs> like, hello, I'm here as well. Uh, okay. And, but it's a partnership. And so I want to encourage you, because if I left you last week thinking, I can't do all this gospel stuff, all this business stuff, this making disciples, I'm just a real quiet person, and I love to be inconspicuous, that's okay, because we need somebody to iron the sheets. Peel potatoes. Seriously. And you, you can't undermine the value of that. So here's what Paul is saying to this church. That you're a gospel business. God has linked me with you to ensure that the gospel business is running. Okay? And we're in it together. And I'm saying to you, by the grace of God, hey, we're in it together. And I want you to be encouraged. Look, next week I'll be seeing a couple doing frontline gospel work. Okay? On Thursday, 12.30. Just so you can be in prayer. Here's the thing. You're doing it with me. I'm working there on your behalf. It's, it's, what it's, it's the opportunity that you've created by your prayers, giving, calling, support, together. And as I want you to be encouraged, Christian, that you are participating in gospel work. You are fulfilling your calling in the very fact that you make effort to be here, serve the church, support the church, pray for the church. Thank you to all, all, those, all of you who sometimes send me messages. Are you still here? No, 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 no. Messages like, like, hey, hey, we pray for you. Do you know I get messages like that? Thank you. I got one yesterday. I'm sorry. I got one yesterday and, and, and somebody said, and, and I mean, they were, they were fooling around with me, but it really touched me about how somebody had made a special effort in their cooking just to make sure that I could eat it. And, I thought, and it just reminded me, I have a special dietary requirements. That's what happens when you get foreigners here from the other side of the world. Okay, remind, look, it's a partnership. Because that meal is the only meal I'm going to get this week. <laughs> well, it could be, couldn't it? Okay, maybe the only one I get today. And so, hey guys, God bless you. You have a part in a gospel business. And however quiet or shy or reserved you may be, you are making an incredible contribution to it. Okay? 
even to send a message. And here's the thing, not only are we supporting each other, pastor and church, I see it in the home group, how beautiful it is that we're supporting each other. I mean, Jerry, thank you. This morning, just taking the opportunity to pray individually with people who need prayer. The thing about being called to be a pastor, that role is meant to ricochet throughout the church. In effect, every single member of a church is a pastor. Every one of us. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you, this is the role of a pastor, as you teach and admonish one another. Did you hear what Paul is, what is Paul saying is the role of a member of a church? Is, is to be a pastor to each other. And I don't know you guys do that. And you do well. You do really well. And God bless you. And so, together in the gospel partnership. And so, don't be discouraged. You know, you, know, you are involved. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. And then we'll move on to our second point. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. At the end of the day, you know, there's no special people here. Okay? No one is doing a, 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 a job that's any more important than anybody else. There's no ranks. You know, I said last time, we're going to, as a church, be working towards, you know, over some time, you know, more, more biblically recognizable church offices. So, a leadership team is not a biblical term. The, the, the way uh, the Bible recognizes the leadership of a team, you have an eldership and you have a diaconate. That's a biblical structure. You know, the plan is that you know, we'll be moving towards something like that. But w- when we do, it won't be like this, where you have an eldership and a diaconate. It won't be like that. You know, it, it, it's not as a case that you have an eldership here and you have a diaconate here, because there aren't any special people here. Okay? We've gone beyond that era. In the Old Testament, you had special people who could only do special, who could do special roles and only they could do it. That's not how the New Testament church works. There aren't any special people. Yeah, the pastor isn't any more or any less special. And so if, if, as we get to more biblical structures of, of leadership, for example, eldership and diaconate, it's not eldership diaconate, it's eldership diaconate. And it's not eldership diaconate membership, it's eldership Diaconate membership, this is the point. Is there aren't any ranks, any special people in church. We're just a group of sinners. Every one of us. Still, hey, it's the truth, isn't it? Still, we're a group of sinners, still. And I know the world out there expects us to be perfect, or you're a Christian, but if you know anything about your own heart, we're not perfect, are we? So we're a group of sinners, every one of us, called to faith and repentance. And we're all encouraging one another, supporting one another, and doing a work together. God and God's purpose, I'm going to just miss some of this, God will personally ensure all that occurs. But we'll move on, we'll, we'll move on. And this is the more important part of what Paul is saying in verse 6. God will personally ensure that a genuine Christian comes through life and into eternity in faith. 
This is an assurance tax, not to be confused with insurance. This is assurance. Someone tell me, what is the doctrine of assurance? Amen. I love that. We know that we know that we know. What? <laughs> that we're saved, that we're in God, that we're going to make it. There is a doctrine in Scripture, and Paul is dealing with it here, where a genuine Christian can know, where someone who's professed faith in Christ can know that God is not going to give up on them. Hey, if you confess faith in Jesus, if you're living a life of repentance, if you're endeavouring to walk with Jesus, if you endeavour to follow him, to worship regularly, there's some of the, some of the, some of the markers you see of, of where we are in Jesus. If we're doing that, Paul says this, we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. We have some assurance that God isn't going to fail with us. That we're not one of those anomalies whereby God, or, or we're not one of those characters where God's just going to say, well, you know, I've just about had enough now. Neither are we those people that God is, is going to, you know, just want to forget about. Look, began here is from a Greek. Look, you know the New Testament is in Greek. It's a Greek verb, and it means to inaugurate or to deliberately and purposely initiate. Okay. If God deliberately, willfully, knowingly, and this is the logic, isn't it, initiates something, can we ever envisage that he's going to give up on that? I mean, that's the point here. And Paul is trying to get this across. That, look, here's the reality. I mean, Catherine, during your conversion, there was a time when you made a profession of faith. You responded. He says, I want Jesus. You welcome Jesus into your heart. You got baptised. I know that because I, I was there. <laughs> okay? So, so, your conversion had all these elements that you participated in. That is absolutely true. Okay? Nobody wants to undermine, undermine that. But what Paul wants you to know, Catherine, is before any of that, God had already begun the work of salvation in your heart. That's what Paul is saying here. That before, ever before I said yes to Jesus, and I did say yes to Jesus. In fact, I was so stupid, seriously. You know, I was that stupid that every time there was an altar call in my church, after I gave my heart to the Lord, I put my hand up. <laughs> every time. For weeks on end. <laughs> Until I got it. You know, it, it takes a while for the penny to drop, okay? So you, know, so you may have to say twice, Lorraine, before I get it. Okay? For, for weeks on end, I kept putting my hand up. So I, I had my part. But, but what I learned since, okay? And what we're saying to Catherine, what we're saying to all of us, hey, ever before we did that, God was already working in your life. He was already saving you. He was already calling you. He was already putting the building blocks in place. God initiated it. Do you remember that? When you're at your wit's end, when you think you can't go on, when you think you can't do this, or, or God may give up on you when it's too hard, remember this, that God initiated your conversion. 
He began it. Which means it's outside of you. Which means you can't let go because you're not the one holding the rope. Do you get it? You can't let go. And we don't realize it because we're holding us so tightly because we think somehow it's me doing it. You can't let go because you're not holding the rope. Dummy. You never were holding the rope. He's always held you. And he's always holding you. And what does he say in Hebrews? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So the confidence that Paul wants this church to have is that God has begun this. Remember, remember those pictures that I showed at the beginning of my sermon last week of the uncomplete houses? Have I got a picture there, Greg? There they are. That is not the world that God occupies. That is not how he works. It's not how he does things. Here's what a commentator writes. Alec Motier, a British commentator. The assurance God gives us not only guarantees the outcome, ensures that we're going to get to heaven, there's more to it. It guarantees too every experience of every day. For in all things, God is putting the finishing touches. Good news, bad news, difficulty, blessings, unexpected happiness, unexpected trouble. It all has a purpose. Can you see what Alec Matir is saying? He's, he's encapsulated in, in that verse. He, say, he hasn't just initiated the beginning, but God is so integrally involved at, at, the, at ground zero level in our lives that he is daily, moment by moment, involved in every single venture, experience, reality of your day. Okay? Do you get that? You're not going... It's as long as God started it. You know, uh, Greg, help me out, because I can't think of the word, uh, but when God winds up the clock and just leaves them and leaves, that's the deist, the deist isn't it? The view of God, that God, God is somehow started the world, okay, wound it up, and it's gone, gone on holiday, hence why bad things happen. That is not a Christian view of God. Okay, and we mustn't import that into our Christian walk. When you wake up tomorrow morning and go into work, you're not now doing something by yourself. God is involved in your journey to work, in your clocking in, in your engagement with every person Every personnel, every instrument, every piece of medication, God is there, he's working with you. He's involved in every single aspect because what he's doing, you see, look, you know, and then I'll, I'll give you another only fields and horses. I'm sorry I, keep, I'm sorry I keep going on about only fields and horses. I tend to watch a little clip most nights before I sleep. That's why I can't sleep. I'm laughing at the, you know, midnight. But there's a scene there when Delboy and Rodney uh, have got a lot of money and they're buying something, and they're giving, giving it to this man who's meant to be getting some uh, diamonds for them. Now, because he's got all their money, what do, you, what do you think they're doing with this guy? He's got a bag full of their money. What are Del Boy and Rodney doing? Yeah, they, they, are, they, won't keep their eye, they won't take their eyes off him. They follow him to a restaurant. They sit near him. They're watching. Them. Why are they watching him? Why are they? Because they, they want to make sure that their money's safe. 
when God initiated the work of your salvation, okay, he deposited the most valuable thing that he has to him, to you. What's the thing he deposited? His spirit. Himself. Okay. How much interest do you think God has in how you're doing on this journey till you get to heaven? He is watching you like a hawk. Do you get that? He is watching you like a hawk. Every single moment of your life. I want you to be aware of that. He is watching you like a hawk. And as Mati is saying, he's watching, he's overseeing, he's ensuring, he's guiding, he's making sure that this investment that he's made in you will prosper, is safe, that nothing happens to it without him watching you. Which means, Lorraine and Ricky, and I know this is hard to understand, and who could... He was watching you when you had your accident. It means that. It means that. Do you get that? It means he's there when bad things happen to us. It means that he was still on duty. It means if God was still on duty and was watching me when that happened and let it happen, it means what? A, it was supposed to happen. B, it could have been a lot, lot worse. Who knows how much most of it. And it means that God, God can do something really, really, really good through it. You see that? That's what he's saying. It's what he's saying. That God can do something really, really, really good through it. Here's what Je- Jesus says in John about where we stand in Jesus. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who, is, who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of his hand. How safe are we? It's never been in our hands. We've always been in Jesus' hands. And he's one with his Father. And then Ephesians 1. We've already quoted Ephesians twice. It's an amazing book. Here's chapter 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. I know I said before, there's no special people here. I lied. Yes. Because we're all special. The thing about your salvation is that God didn't just like hand, you know, throw it. Hey, if anybody wants my heaven, look, the door's open, coming in, I'll have you. And then, and then you guys turned up. It was quite like that. You know what Ephesians says? God made a place for us and then came out, walked through our world, noticed us. I'm I'm dramatising it for us. Noticed us. Took an interest in us. Loved us. Saw our predicament. 
paid a fee for us and took us to his home. Do you see the difference? One is we just take whoever comes and Emma turns up and that's, you know, we were stuck with her. Okay? <laughs> the other is that God goes after Emma. He finds her, draws her, woos her. He wants Emma in particular. Can you see the point? It, it, it's got to be Emma. And I, I think there's something you have to realise, Emma, with your salvation. It had to be you. He wanted you. You. It had to be you. You're not saved by accident. It's you. He always had it in mind. And think about God, because he doesn't live in a time frame. It's not as though there was a time when he wasn't interested in you, and there was a time when he was interested in you, because he doesn't work like that with him. He doesn't live in linear space frame, time frames, does he? He doesn't travel time. And so, Jeremiah, how long has he loved you? How long has he loved you? From everlasting. Which means, there was never a time when you were not loved and when you were in Christ, when you were not belonging to the family of God. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I'll finish there. He said, look, my word, God's word, I trust, you know, to just an ordinary person, is that, hey, you're called. You're chosen, you're called, you're in a business, we're in it together, that's what our role is, we're partners in the business, and you're all involved, you're doing a great job. Okay, there's no criticism here. Keep doing what you're doing, in whatever way you can, and as you're doing this gospel work in this gospel business, you're not looking over your shoulder thinking, maybe I'm, I'm the one who's not going to make it. You're not thinking that. You're going and serving Jesus knowing, I'm the one that God is never going to give up on. Amen.